is Major League Angels, the show. I'm Pete. I'm Ryan. Yeah, welcome to the show, MajorLeagueAholes.com. Uh, the, the special spring training edition, pitchers and catchers reported today. So welcome. Boom. February 17th, and we've got spring right around the corner. So fuck yeah. We have lots of signing news, especially with my Cubs and Tigers. We've got some White Sox news we definitely need to talk about tonight and some giant signings. Uh, we are going to have the epic recap of Bob's bad tweets from our previous episode, which is just too perfect for a brand new segment of ours to come together this way in real life. Um, and we've got the continuation of, our, I think it's becoming my new favorite segment, Asshole, where we ask each other difficult questions about our favorite teams. And we have a kind of a different Asshole of the Week this week, but... I'm going to stop talking. Let's let's go ahead and jump into the news. Now, here's the news. It's the news. The big news. Oh, fuck, Scotty. That is good news. That is great news, man. Let's bring it all home as Major League Baseball presents This Week in Baseball. Uh, like I said, it's pitchers and catchers reporting. Uh, big news. It's, What's that? I say it's an exciting time of the year. Um, is. And without fail, uh, Smitty, uh, you know, he had noted he recently left Chicago, but I think he will agree with me. It always seems like right as pitchers and catchers report, Mother Nature likes to dump some snow on Chicago just to remind us it's not really spring yet, even though pitchers and catchers have reported. So I just moved out of Chicago for the first time in 24 years uh, as of last weekend. So I just beat the ridiculous snowstorm. It was it was snowing a little bit over the weekend, but nothing like what you guys got after I left. So, yeah, I, I, I guess I left you guys a parting gift. You sure did. Enjoy. A um, giant dump thing. <laughs> that was my giant dump. A detroit dump. Michigan got a little bit. Nothing, <laughs> nothing like you guys did. So, No, but it is true. I feel like every year, like right around when yeah. the pitchers and catchers report, it gets like there's like a cold spell in the snow. And I, I did look it up, and we didn't have like much snow at all last year, but one of our biggest storms was like around like uh, – and like the second week of February, like around the same time. So it's, it was really, it's really, it's really, it's just really interesting. Like growing up in my entire life, like every year, like just like you're getting excited because the weather is going to be turning and whatnot. And the pitchers and catchers are reporting. I don't feel anything like baseball right now. Well, to, if I could transition away from Farmer Pete's Almanac. Uh, yeah, and there you go. Uh, I do want to talk about the couple of rules, that, <laughs> the rules announcements that we haven't had time to talk about. Uh, I'd like to hold... talk about the weather some more, please, Ryan. <laughs> we could start another podcast for that. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah. We've got a couple carryovers from the interesting rules that 2020 brought about. Uh, the best, two of the best, I thought, are carried over are the seven-inning doubleheaders, which I think everybody's in favor of. If you've got to sit through a doubleheader, might as well make it. Not you know, everyone on Twitter, but yeah, no, go ahead. Everyone on Twitter can fuck off, so they're, no one's going to appreciate it on Twitter, I'm sure. But we'll, I, I like it. We liked it last year. Still like it after how it played out. Um I have sat through doubleheaders before and sitting through 18 innings is ridiculous. It's it's good for the players, good for the bullpens, not to completely destroy arms or completely de deplete bullpens. 
right. unnecessarily. It's just it's just a it's a common sense thing, and I'm glad they pulled it into 2021 and probably beyond. The other big rule change, which is probably less popular, but I don't mind. I'm surprisingly don't mind it that much. Is the uh, runner starting at second base and extra innings. Uh, my suggestion at the end of last year after watching it is it wasn't that bad, but it, I think it might make more sense to start that in the 10th inning. Um, if nobody scores, or I'm sorry, in the 11th inning, if nobody scores in the 10th, um, just so it's not such a, you know, you don't immediately make extra innings kind of a cartoon. You kind of ease into it, but neither here nor there. It's going to be going to be the rule. And if it's, I'm guessing if it's a rule this year, it's probably going to be the rule next year if there is a next season. Um, of course, there is no universal DH, much to our consternation Ooh. that we've talked about before, and no uh, extended playoffs. And we went, I went on a massive Ooh. rant last episode on why that happened, and so we don't need to revisit that unless you had thoughts about the new the new rules passing. No, uh, the only. Uh... I'm very intrigued by the runner uh, starting on second staying. And now that managers have had a uh, year with that, the data. like, are they going to, uh, especially if you're, if you're tied and it's going to be more of an advantage for the home team, mm-hmm. would you possibly pinch hit with a, speedy type of hitter after two outs now not not thinking that the guy is going to come up to make the final out but if he does make the final out then you've got that faster guy at second because i know in a lot of cases for the Sox when they went to extra innings i mean it was the Sox are not a, a a slow team but at times there was like one of the slower guys was starting at like yasmani grandel Started, and that's whoever uh, had the last at bat of the yeah, previous Yeah, who's ever had the last yeah. at bat. So I, I mean, you're not going to take Grandel out to to well, <laughs> to yeah. for a bench guy in a lot of cases. But in in, in like maybe a uh, you you might do it. I'm just it'll be interesting to see how how it uh, changes the strategy a little bit. That's a really good point because I'm not sure we had a large enough sample size. If there were enough enough extra inning games for the the data to come in and the analytics to decide what, you know, what's the best way to play this. You bunt, bunt right away to move, move them over. Is that stupid? Or, you know, or like you suggested, have pinch runners, pinch hitters uh, with some more speed. If they might construct the roster a little different. I think that, I think that will evolve over the season um, as, as you see more extra inning games and you see what works and what doesn't work or, right. Or maybe we've had an off season of number crunching, and there's a lot. We'll, we'll start this season with some a lot, lot more interesting or crazy things we didn't see coming, or at least uh, maybe a pattern evolves, or maybe some teams do do some things one way and others do another. So that's a, that's an interesting point. That'll be that'll be fun to see how that plays out. But I again, my the philosophy of my life is don't fear change. I mean, we we saw it last last season. It wasn't the end of the fucking world. Um, runners starting on second base. It didn't ruin the game. It just expedited nope. things a bit. So, yep. uh, that's about all I have for the upcoming rules, the upcoming spring training, the upcoming 2021 season. I think the the big news this actually became official today is uh, today. The, the signing of Jake Arietta back with the Cubs. Whoa, wow. 
<laughs> this is actually going to be the subject of this week's Cubs rub. All right. Here's the rub. I'll tell you one fucking thing. I hope we get fucking hotter than shit just to stuff it up them 3,000 fucking people that show up every fucking day. Who stings? And another thing I'm going to say. I've won over 1,800 games in the manager, and I'm not a damn dumb. 85% of the fucking world's working. The other 15 come out here. I don't know what the big deal about Cracker Jack is. Um, not, I'm not, I don't, certainly don't have an issue with the Cubs signing Jake Arrieta. I think it's interesting. Um, it's a fifth starter or fourth starter. It might, might be higher than that. Um, innings, innings eater. It is what it is. I'm not ecstatic about it, but I don't have a I don't have a problem with the signing. I have a problem with everything that surrounds the signing and how we got to this. And it's very it's just strange what what's going on. Um, especially with the departure, official departure of J, of John Lester previously for less money than what Jake Arrieta just signed for. He signed. Yeah. Jake did sign a one year deal, which this is. I say this all the time, and this. This will be a theme tonight of this podcast is there are no bad one year deals. You can get out of them in a year. It's it's whatever. You know, you you no harm, no foul. If it didn't if it didn't work out that season, you're not saddled with it for years to come. It's a four million dollar for this year. Technically, it's a two year. Technically, I would call it a one year six million dollar deal, even though he gets four million this year. The 2022 option is can be a two million dollar buyout. So at the most, he's going to cost the Cubs six million dollars for this season. They have a mutual option to, uh, for 2022, but like I said, they could they could buy him out. Oh, the other part I liked about it is that there's it's four million this year plus incentives. So they, you know, if he if he kicks ass suddenly as he has not for the last three years, um, there's you know, he gets his money. So that I think it worked. I think it's a good deal for both sides. Um, what's one thing that is strange about it is what I mentioned that they wouldn't, they didn't sign a similar cheap deal for John Lester. Um, that was going to be a $2 million deal for much less money, I think. Um, and he, he was famously pleading with the Ricketts family and Jed Hoyer and everybody just sign him for, for much less than the offers he was getting from other places. So that's a bit confusing. I've got, they've given some explanations about that, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. The other part that is strange about this signing is the, I, I don't know if it's irony or just coincidence or what, what you'd actually call it, but the idea that, Back three years ago, when the Cubs were deciding which free agents to sign, if they were going to re-sign Jake Arrieta, they instead went with Hugh Darvish, which I agreed with at the time and thought it was a terrible mistake soon thereafter, as shitty as he started his Cubs career. But it made sense in my mind that Hugh Darvish was on the, if anything, on the up, maybe on the upswing of his career. Um, younger than Arietta, just a higher, higher ceiling than Arietta had at that point. So the idea that three years later, the Cubs have traded away you Darvish for pennies on the dollar, as we've gone over before, uh, with just four lottery tickets and, 
in uh, very young, young prospects from the Padres. Now they've they've chosen to go away from you, Darvish, in favor of Jake Arrieta. So, I mean, obviously circumstances have changed dramatically. Jake Jake Arrieta isn't looking for a multi-year, close to $100 million contract as he was three years ago. He's got a you know this paltry one-year, $6 million deal. So it's just ironic, I guess. But it just it's just strange. I think the biggest thing, I think you're gonna you're gonna uh, catch on to this, or you might already be thinking about it. The whole Lester part, what the Cubs have said is it, it comes down to timing, and they were not prepared to offer any money to anybody. Basically, they had signed nobody at that point, and they were in fact trading everyone off and letting free agents go, like Kyle Schwarber and then uh, John Lester. So. Pss- Suddenly, the Cubs have money, and the, we we knew this when they signed Jock Peterson before last episode two weeks ago, and you know our our favorite punching bag, David Kaplan, reported after that signing, the Cubs have found found money in their budget. Well, no shit, asshole. <laughs> like they just signed Jock Peterson, so obviously something's changed. It's like I could report that, but. <laughs> Cap thought he was breaking news with that a couple weeks ago. Well, but he was kind of breaking news when it comes down to it because now they have suddenly signed Jake Arrieta for six million dollars, where they clearly did not have that a month ago to sign John Lester. So I don't know what what it, did you did you find that equally perplexing or what what are your thoughts on? Yeah, on I mean, I I don't know. Uh, outside of this whole, um, you know, sometimes teams feel like they've got to go you know, they're going through a, a, a rebuild, I guess. Um, um, so there's like this flushing out of certain pieces of what was there before um, that I feel like they feel is necessary. But to me, you get, you, you know, you get five salad, maybe five, you get five innings probably out of uh Lester, no matter what, I mean, because I know they're selling the idea that they're going to be competitive and uh, hmm. Pakoda, Pakoda. Well, we'll get uh, into that in a bit. Yeah. But I forgot. We should like, add that know, to the list. Yeah, that that's that's in there. But. Um, but I mean. It, it one, it's kind of dumb financial sense. If you could have signed someone who was going to gonna it was already there you could have signed him for less and he's a fan favorite like you know well be a, i think know? that part's a push though i mean there's no way jake arietta is not a fan favorite i mean that, but i think all that nostalgia sh- is bullshit i've, I've well i think over. that's part of the reason they signed him though i, I think you're right and, and that, that's what one thing that you know is my classic cubs I mean, is I, they do shit to, I, do shit for nostalgia like hire their backup catcher as their manager, you know, even though I think right. he's, he's going to work out well, but there's some, there's some hokey cub shit with that. And I just, that's well, this to is do, the shit they to do got stuff away, for. That's yeah. the shit they got away from. And, and that's that, exactly, that was, a, this is originally going to be my ass cold question, but we kind of had already touched on it. So I, I let mm. it go. But like okay. the feeling I have as I'm looking at this Cubs team being formed is like there's this little bit of like, well, obviously every team's going to say for the most part, they're going to be competitive and try to win. No one's going to come out and flat out say, even if they are trying to lose that they're going to lose. But 
the there is that unfortunate. I would have a bad feeling in my stomach if I was a Cubs fan right now because uh, I've had the, that all off season. So the, yeah, there's this, there, there's this. Okay, well, let's start bringing like some familiar faces back into the fold, and and you know we can always hang our hat on you know on people showing up and being excited that we're bringing some fan favorites back, and that is that is just a recipe for disaster. Because we've seen that in this organization before. We've seen I, I agree. In general, in Chicago baseball before, and it never ends well. Well, I, I'd be more worried about that if they signed into a long year deal, long term deal. I, I think there is some element of that that is hokey. I don't, I don't really like, but it's not saddled with them for more than a year if if it doesn't work out. So, I think the thing, the thing that's really more unsettling about this is they've literally had two completely different plans in one off season and you cannot fucking do that you can't go in two directions at once they traded away you darvish for pennies on the dollar like i said because they were in cost cutting mode and they were doing anything to cut to cut costs and not spend money that forced again i'm not against trading you darvish because i believe he was at the height of his possible value that's when you trade him the problem is they were in fire sale mode and the Padres and all the other teams took advantage of that by offering shit for Darvish when they should have been able to get much more for him. So <laughs> whatever happened in the month since since that, that changed their Cubs budget, suddenly it's like, well, why did we trade you Darvish in such a hurry if we actually did have some money? You didn't have to have to like throw him away for less than what he should have been valued at. So that's what, that's the Cubs rub in my mind that they've seemed a little schizophrenic and it's cost, you know, potentially huge, huge prospects from, from the Darvish trade. So I do have some theories on what changed and why, why suddenly the Cubs have some money vaccine. Well, vaccine is one thing, but Literally, aha, my job actually provides some insider information uh, that's useful, and it's not—it's probably pretty common knowledge now. But the, well, at least in spring training, the Arizona is now projecting that they will be able to allow twenty-five percent attendance in the stands, which means some revenue is coming in for all teams for the first time in two years. I also happen to have, I hope I don't get fired for this, but today I put together a presentation that is going in front of the governor of the state of Michigan on behalf of the three minor league baseball teams in the state, Lansing Lugnuts, uh, Great Lakes Loons, and West Michigan Whitecaps, in conjunction with Major League Baseball, petitioning that all three clubs are allowed to have 25% attendance this year in the in the stands. I also happen to know that the Tigers are doing the same thing at the same time. So that is happening, I believe, in a coordinated effort across all of Major League Baseball in every state requesting 25% attendance at games. Now, I don't don't know, you know if that will pass and if that will pass uh, for opening day or if it's going to be a, on a state-by-state -state basis, but there's going to be fans in the stands this year one way or the other, uh, not, not 100% capacity, but there will be revenues and with that little tidbit that I do know as a fact, you couple it together with the Cubs suddenly spending money. And I think it's obvious they're projecting that they are going to have some revenues this year. And I think all teams can, can do that. So 
that that's where the philosophy changed. But for them not to be able to see that potentiality on the horizon and to make drastic decisions like trading your greatest asset for for lottery tickets again, it's just it, it, it could be a catastrophic move that fucked this fucks this franchise again for years to come. And if it just happened in a different timeline, if they hadn't panicked, what you know, why did they have to trade Darvish when they did? They didn't have to trade him in December. You know, what what was that? Why why didn't they wait? If they could have waited until now with this new information, they could have leveraged that. You know, they 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 essentially they panicked and they they fucked it up. So that that that's my Cubs rob. I, I kind of we're kind of derailing this whole thing. <laughs> Too much Cubs talk, but I don't know, unless you had anything else to add on that piling on, but no. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm good. No. Uh you did mention the Pacoda rankings. Um, yeah, yeah. So the we might as well mention that at least right now. Yeah, the you know funny thing, and immediately uh, Chicago, Chicago uh, sports sports radio tweeted out uh, when the Pakoda rankings uh, uh, came out the because they had the Sox eighty three wins, which they also had um, them at eighty three wins last year for a full season. Um, and they had the Cubs 85 wins, which they also had them at 85 wins. I'm so baffled. Last I mean, so, where would you have, I mean, if you were going to guess what those numbers would be before they came out, I would have said maybe Cubs 85 because the division is so shitty, but I would have easily put the White Sox at 93, not 83. Well, so the, the thing about the, the way the Pakoda works, and I was kind of talking to you a little bit about this, it's, it, it's more of a, a, a targeting. So, and when you look at the actual wins, like I think the Sox are 83.1. They're not even whole numbers, right? Um, and of it's a, it's, a predict, it's a predictive index. So when you look at it in like a line graph, what you will see is they have the Sox at or, or the Cubs at the peak of that number. But then there's a swing that goes either way by anywhere from like six to ten games in either direction. Wouldn't why wouldn't the the final ranking be at the medium of you know the mean or whatever whatever the term is? Well, that 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 is the I guess for lack of a better term that would be the mean I guess in in their eyes. So the Cubs uh, aren't at the height of their projections; they're in the middle of their projections. But yes, so um, that is, is, the way they take the numbers historically. When they don't have historic numbers on players, which is part of the White Sox problem, because mm -hmm. they don't have a lot of most of these guys don't. A lot of the team doesn't have 162 games. Yeah, even. yeah. How do you project? So project then they take it and or... they do a mirror. They do a mirror player. They take that mirror player and then project that out. So it, it's all, it's all, it's all. You know, in 2005. The White Sox were predicted by Pakoda to win 70 games. They won the World <laughs> Series. So wow. okay. enough enough said there. I think the Cubs So it's the, a the, it's a fun thing to talk about in yes. February if it works for yes. your team's advantage, if it doesn't, but yeah. we can just move they, on. <laughs> they in 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 the in the in, when they redid the shortened season, the Sox were not made did not make the playoffs. In when they redid it for the the COVID 60 game season, the Sox were out of the playoffs and won 31 games and no playoffs. They won 35 and made the playoffs. No. So, like, 
you know, I mean, you take it for what it's worth. It's a funny little thing to talk about. And I think the, they get it right. Like, 40% of the time or something like that. That's so. not a good, it's not a good average. It's just amazing. No. And of course, that's why social media almost had a meltdown when the Cubs had two more wins than the White Sox. Just, yeah, I, I just laughed but, at it because it's, it's, well, that's it's, all you can do. Yeah. It, but fun to talk about in February and there's two feet of snow on the ground. So yeah, exactly. Well, you mentioned your White Sox. Uh, I think you've got a little bit of news you'd like to talk about at least. Yeah. Maybe not news. I've got, I've got, I've got a little bit of news. Uh, it was announced earlier this uh, week or late last week that uh, the Sox uh, have said Kopech will be in the starting rotation at, at the start of the season. Wow, which, he has not pitched in how which, many months? Which changes things dramatically, in that it almost makes us look, you know, like the genius. And when we said, well, we'd all be for signing Rodon to come back as a middle reliever <laughs> and just be part of the bullpen because we all thought when they did sign him that he, at least I thought he was the bridge before going to the bullpen. He you was the bridge it. to Kopech. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be a bridge to Kopech right now. It seems that Kopech is coming in as the fifth starter. Um, wow. How are they going to handle the end of the season though? Like uh, limit his innings. Cause I mean, yeah, he can't I just all of a sudden pitch 200 plus innings out of, for the first time. In his and life. that's, that may be versus Rodon being the bridge to Michael Kopech as a starter. Rodon Kopech is the bridge to Rodon's middle relief. Oh, uh, okay. That's what I'm picturing it as now, That's as well as Ronaldo Lopez's middle relief, because he doesn't have a spot in the rotation now either, because Cease is obviously your four still. Or so. do they do six-man rotations? I've heard the Tigers talking about that. Yeah. You know, six-man well, rotation, just because nobody has innings from last year. Nobody, everyone's right, going to have to get yeah. built up again. So It'll be interesting. But Giolito uh, was interviewed just the other day. I saw the interview. He said, you know he was kind of floored by how well and how good Kopech's control was in mm. what he's seen so far. So, I mean, that's obviously, you know, what take that for what it's worth, but sure. uh, it was just really surprising. Cause yeah, that seems strange, but he, I did watch this in, I mean, he has been working out like a freaking beast. They, they put together, like he put together his own like hype workout video. I mean, he's, he's big. Hmm. I mean, he's strong. He's very strong right now. I hope so. so. No one, there's not been much to do other than work yeah, out the so, last year. So we'll we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Um, in other news, uh, Bob Nightingale not uh, not tweeting at this point in time. That'll be later. In the we'll show, get to that. But we'll get to that. Bob uh, Bob get the got the first interview. No surprise here. Bob gets the first interview with uh, Tony Larusa, his and, buddy, and. Uh, I'm not going to recap the whole interview, but what I did is I went through and I got some notes here and I um, went ahead and I pulled out some highlight quotes. So um, the article just kind of basically, you know, it covered everything that we already knew that were the big questions about La Russa and it kind of was how he responded. There was, there was a little interesting thing that came out in the article that uh, is kind of telling yet again of his personality, but um uh, La Russa, in regards to coming back to baseball and all the scrutiny he will be under, responded with, I know there's going to be pressure. My understanding is if I don't 
Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I apologize. This is this is a tongue in cheek response initially. I know there's going to be pressure. My understanding is if I don't do a good job in spring, I won't make it to opening day. He said as like a icebreaker in the grandpa joke, grandpa joke there, dad joke. That's a good knee slapper right there. That's why I thought it was funny. It's a dad joke. Um, But then he, he answered in a more serious way. I know there are a lot of people who have their doubts. I heard all the questions and not one wasn't wasn't a legitimate question. So he thought everything was legit. I'm fine with that. I know how I'm going to be judged. So, you know, he said the right thing, he said yeah. what he should say. Um, uh, what was interesting is uh, Timmy was on the White Sox podcast also. And this is what Timmy said about La Russa, which I thought was important as it was part of this article. When it first happened, I was definitely not open um, to uh, him being the manager. Moving forward, I'm open. I get it. I understand it. He's been around baseball for a while and he's going to be, and he's been successful for a while. So it goes back to why wouldn't you want to learn from a guy who's been successful for a while? So again, Making the best of a bad making situation. the best best of a of a um, interesting situation. And <laughs> um, the final thing I just wanted to bring up was uh, the biggest question: Why Larusa? And this is so telling of how he is as a person and how awesome he is and how important things certain things are to him. The whole reason he delayed his response to. Um, to Reinstorf as to whether or not he wanted to manage was immediately after he hung up with Reinstorf, he called the close personal friend and then called the president of the hall of fame to see if his hall of fame would be stripped from him. If he went back to manage baseball. And I just wow. like read that and thought to myself, <laughs> So there's all these people like there's there's people who have been sitting next to him, like up in the booth and things like that, like the Angels, because he was uh, I think it was the Angels uh, assistant GM or something and saying how he's like was really like antsy and agitated and really wanted to be. You know, he talked about how he really wanted to get back in the game and manage again. He he just wasn't for sitting on the sidelines, but he would have just given that all up if his hall of fame status was stripped away wow, to come that, back to the game and jesus that speaks volumes that, yeah that well that's why you get two duis because you you think you know certain things don't apply to you as he said you know i'm a hall of fame manager <laughs> i'm Look a hall of famer baseball i'm a hall of, fame, hall of baseball, baseball person guy person yes we got to make those t-shirts at some point look look at my ring so um yeah so anyway so yeah that uh that it was it was uh you know nothing not that was the most interesting thing to me that came out of that article that's the thing like that like just blew up when i read it i was like really so uh, all right. Well, is that all you got for your White Sox this week? Yeah. I mean, I'm just excited that they're back and, uh, I don't know if it's going to be televised, but I know their first game is against the Brewers on 228. So we'll Not see uh, what goes on there. We might have to do a podcast to cover that. Maybe. Uh, well, uh, now that we've talked about the Cubs and the Sox, I think I need to talk about my Detroit Tigers now that I am living again in the state of Michigan and 
there's a little bit of Tigers news. Uh, I, again, I don't expect too much out of them this year, but they are at least assembling a reasonable major league uh, roster this year, as they did a little bit last year, uh, as they did not do in 2019. That was one of the most pathetic rosters I've ever seen. They have they have done a good job of signing one year deals to at least respectable uh, one year one year deals for uh, last year for Jonathan Scope and CJ Crone, which worked out well until both of them got hurt. Um, they re-signed Jonathan Scope to a one-year $4.5 million deal. And like I said earlier, there are no bad one-year deals because especially in the Tigers situation, they can, you know, milk it for all it's worth and play him throughout the year and see how they do. Or hopefully they can trade him at the trade deadline because he will be leaving and he'll be a worthy power bat at second base. In fact, he leads little little fact, factoid for the show tonight. Jonathan Scope leads the majors in home runs since 2014 by second baseman. I did not know that, and I, I doubt you did either. So he's he's a valuable commodity, and apparently he liked his time in Detroit last year because he signed up again. So I appreciate that. So I think it's a it's a good match um, as long as he can stay healthy. The one of the other interesting signings of the Tigers happens to affect this podcast directly in that. Former White Sox, as of 2020, Nomar Mazzara was signed by the Tigers this year to a one-year, $1.5 million deal. Um, I think I think it's obvious Mazzara has not lived up to his potential as he was horrific as a White Sox uh, last year. I think he had one home run in his... That is correct. <laughs> one. Uh I think you were a little more optimistic going in because of his underlying numbers. It seemed like he was could be there was some potential there for a lot of improvement, especially at Sox Park, and we did not see it. Uh, I don't expect anything. I didn't expect anything last year, and I don't expect anything this year out of him. But like I said, there's no bad one year deals, and the Tigers only committed 1.75 million dollars to him. So that that's amazing too. When you that's just a few. That that's just a few little Caesars pizzas they need to sell to cover that. So, yeah. Uh, I do remember that you were comparing, you used some fan graphs information last year. That's all I took. I took the prediction. I was sort of like Pakoda. I took the fan graph (laughs) predictions. Uh, They, they tried to compare, make, Nomar Mazzara and Nick Castellanos, essentially yeah. the same player. They which... did pretty much. Yeah. They were, they were ranked <laughs> within one, one position of each other and had similar power numbers and RBI. Well, that made me laugh at the time. It made me laugh throughout the season. And it's making me laugh right now because I, I mean, really maybe the Tigers looked at those, those projections and say, Hey, we lost Nick Castellanos last year. Why not replace him with Nomar Mazzara? I mean, <laughs> it's a push. I'd be shocked if they came <laughs> back with similar type of rankings this year, but you know, he was, he was a, a, a double digit home run hitter uh, with, with Texas. So, you know, you, as you answered the ask cold question last week was last season, just an anomaly. Like you believe it was for every cup player. So, I mean, it could have just been an anomaly for you may have gotten the best deal in all of baseball. <laughs> Uh, I don't think that was exactly what I responded to, but 
or how I responded, but that's part of it. I've uh, given a, I've given a, well, well, you can go to the videotape if you'd like for, Roll for, the more, on the, for more on that. <laughs> but uh, I like, I like how you did that there, but uh Tigers sign Wilson Ramos, catcher from the Mets. Uh, essentially, they're kind of filling out their minor league roster with some legit major league players. So I think the Tigers are going to finish fourth or fifth in division. We'll, we'll get to our uh, season projections in a couple weeks, I'm sure. Um, but I'm not expecting much out of them. So at least they have some major league quality on the on the roster now. At a at a minimum price, so I think I think they're pretty solid moves by Sleepy Alavila. So that's all for my Tigers tonight. I think you had some Giants news you yeah, wanted to talk about I mean, before we get to a break. This this signing is perplexing to me that the Giants did it, and 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 talking about Arietta signing with the Cubs, uh, or even even the the Giant or even the Tigers having this opportunity for uh, a starting rotation. Talking about a, a good one-year deal is former All-Star starter from the from the Blue Jays, Aaron Sanchez, who sat out last year with uh, coming off shoulder surgery. Former Lansing um, Lugnut had a signed a four million dollar four million dollar. That's 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 basically similar to the area to deal, but we all know that six million because they get the two million dollar buyout no matter what. Um, with 2.5 million in incentives. I mean, hmm. th- there's a lot of upside to that. Um, I agree. Th- th- I mean, he's got good, he's got solid overall numbers. I mean, under four ERA. I mean, how, and, and he recently had pitched the session where he was topping at 98 on the radar gun. So like I'm just curious as like how other teams passed on this and and the Giants come in the night before they report to spring training and the pitchers catchers report and, and swoop this guy up it's it's just puzzling to me. Well, uh, he came up I can tell you he came up through the Blue Jays system so they know him backwards and forwards. He was a Lansing Lugnut um when they're part of the system. Uh so they yeah that that's perplexing. I would say it's a, a bit concerning. Um, that his parent club would that knows him so well just let him go. But like you said, if if it's that small of a deal, who cares? I mean, it's all upside. There, there's there's yeah. no there's no that there's no downside to that deal. I think that that's a great move. You kind of, like you said, you kind of wonder why more more teams didn't jump in on it. So there's probably more to this story. I I don't want to say. I can't remember. I thought there was some off the field shit with him, but I don't want to speak out of turn on that. Even though this is major league a a holes, um, I would be remiss if I I, I started to say what I think I think about that it might be. So I'm not going to even say it. But there might be some off field off the field things that could explain it. But yeah, I don't recall that. But yeah, you might be. But like it just like they did it. You know, they basically similar to uh, what the tigers have done they've just signed a bunch of like one-year flyer deals that yeah. you know could especially in the starting rotation that could you know could work out could not work out but um not a lot of risk there so so yeah that was it i just was i was kind of excited about it i'm like wow that 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 deal just seems to have like a ton of great upside that a lot of people stayed away from so yeah you gotta like it um, well, if that's all you've got for the Giants, I think we should go ahead and take a break and we will be back momentarily on 
the Wordhole Media Network. Wordhole Media. If you were two and seven, you'd be in a bad mood too. Oh, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. And oh, he hits the upright again. That's impossible. Get your mouth shut. Get your mouth shut. Jerk. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. If worms had machine guns, then birds wouldn't be scared of them. Don't let this podcast. Just a couple of Chicago pricks united by our hatred of the University of Michigan football and the Chicago Bears. Find us at lipditkas.com and anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, we are back. Uh, let's talk about one of the most epic possibilities for a new segment we had. Uh, I think it was the second time we did bad, uh, bad tweets. Uh, we were we were calling it Bob's bad tweets, but John Heyman likes to jump in there with some terrible tweets as well. And there's Bruce Levine will always be in the running. So I think we're just going to call this bad tweets from now. But for now, uh, but last episode we had the most incredible confluence of events where a bad tweet was actually happening live while we were broadcasting or podcasting um, where Bob Nightingale reported on Twitter that Trevor Bauer had indeed signed with the New York Mets. Yeah, and, it was like it was done. And, and then and then John Heyman, a.k.a. Hyman, was backing him up on it. And we were questioning that live in the air. I'm like, well, we'll see if this is true or not. We don't really there's I mean, honestly, there's no reason not to believe a, a definitive tweet like that would be untrue, except for the sources. And our skeptic our skepticism was proven to be spot oh on God. because I within mean, hours, Trevor Bauer was seen wearing a fucking Dodgers jersey, not a Mets jersey. So, I mean, how can you be more wrong than that? It's just, it's unreal. So, that that was that was so much fun that we were so skeptical live, and then it really played out that way too. Like the weatherman of of Twitter, sports Twitter. Like, we'll just, you know, when there's a fifty fifty chance, I'm going to be right on this, and if I'm (laughs) right, I'm going to look really smart because I've been looking really dumb lately. So I'm just going to go. Mets deal is. Bauer Mets deal is done. I I just I I can't I can't figure it out. But well, Bob, you are the gift that keeps on giving. So thank you, thank you for that, Bob. You had another one by Heyman, I think. Why well, Heyman a little earlier tonight? So uh, I'm just gonna read this exactly the way it's written, and then we can try to decipher if this is is a quote from the player he's talking about or. John's just trying to be informative for everyone who follows him. Baseball is very hard, period. Tebow retires with a 637 OPS in the minors. Not terrible, <laughs> but not MLB worthy. What? Wow. So, so what was he letting us know that baseball was John letting us know baseball is hard? Or was it Tebow <laughs> that said baseball is very hard? And because then so he's retiring i i'm not sure yeah but but i just laughed out loud when i read it i mean i think i'd put that in the category of useless tweets i mean yeah i mean thanks thanks john uh baseball is hard and i think he probably most likely his his motivation for tweeting that is just trying to get in the 
the aggregation of Tebow comments, you know, just to get his his Twitter profile some hits or something. I don't got to mention uh, Tim Tebow if if he's if he's quitting. So wow, yeah, we we do have breaking news again though, because uh, <laughs> I do have t- I do have Twitter up, and I think this oh, one's God. legit. Oh God, this is, this is John Heyman. No, sharing sharing this story from Robert Murray. Fernando Tatis Jr. and the Padres have agreed to a 14-year, $340 million deal. Right. Holy shit. We'll see. We'll see if that's real. That'll be our next well, week's is, next week's uh, this, episode. This one's from Robert Murray, though. Not who is well, he might join he, our he's another he, Bob. So yeah, he might join yeah. our Bob's bad tweets. It, if this it could is be wrong. another, it could be Bob Murray. And we're not sure if Robert Murray's tweeting this or Bob Nightingale Murray is tweeting this, but <laughs> Apparently the Padres have, have inked a $340 million. Oh, ESPN just broke it now too. All right. Third well, largest people... contract in MLB history, folks. So there you go. No, well, you heard it here. You heard it here almost first. Well, unfortunately this is recorded. <laughs> Unless you're watching the live Facebook <laughs> Yeah, if you're watching feed, the which... live feed, this is breaking news. If you are, you're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think we should transition from what's <laughs> happening right now and what is potentially happening in the future to a question that I'm we're going to start with this week for our infamous asshole segment. Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Clown question, bro. That ain't no kind of answer. I'll answer the question. Did I adequately answer your condescending question? I absolutely love this. I've come up with a doozy of a question for you this week. Ooh, it's a doozy, folks. About your Chicago White Sox. Um, and I'm sure you've probably thought of this over time. Sure. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm literally just curious. Mm-hmm. What would you have done and who, how, how do you think it would have changed your life if Jerry Reinsdorf had gotten his wish 30 years ago? And the state of Illinois didn't buckle under his pressure to build him a stadium that became the new Comiskey Park, then Sox Park, then U.S. Cellular Field, and now Guaranteed Rate Field, and had indeed moved the White Sox to Tampa Bay to become most likely to become the Tampa Bay Devil Rays five years, 10 years before they actually got an expansion team there. What? What did I mean? You were going to games. You were definitely a huge White Sox fan in the '80s, so you were well was, aware I of was, this at the time. Yeah, what, back then I was going to about 18 games a year. Yeah, so you this this was in the front of your mind, and I'm assuming it was a troubling, yeah. <laughs> troubling, troubling development. Did you have a plan for if they if they actually moved? Were you going to be a Devil's Ray Devil Rays fan? Were you going to abandon baseball altogether? Were no, you gonna... no, I wasn't well, I was already a Giants fan too. Okay. So you could have so, you could have changed your allegiance to a Giants fan. Were you gonna be were you gonna turn to the North side as the I was old... never in a million fucking years <laughs> was I gonna be a fucking Cubs fan. Even Let's if they were the only that. game in town, you were yeah, not gonna be that. No, okay. no, okay. I'm not going to be a fucking Cubs fan. Uh, at the moment when it was talking, um, I was just going to 
follow the team down. I wasn't moving, but I was just going to follow them out of state. So you're going to be a Rays fan. Yeah, that I didn't know their name. I, at the no, time, you know, no, I'm saying the name change, but right, they, right. I could have been a whatever the name hap, happened TV to be White Sox fan, you know, whatever. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that was it. Well, I guess, I mean, you wouldn't have been happy about it. No, I wouldn't have been happy about it, but, um, you know, I, I, nothing I could do about it. Uh, I did find the whole thing like, you know, a tad bit uh, annoying, obviously as a fan that, that, that had even happened. Um, but you, you know, it's out of my control so i was just like fuck it uh i'll see and it was gonna be kind of like in my mind is gonna be like see how it goes right maybe i would just lose disinterest in them but you know that's that's the other thing do you think you'd be as big a big a baseball fan as you are right now if if they had left i think it'd be really hard to if you didn't have a team in your hometown i mean it's essentially the i the same i know you're a big giants fan obviously but I don't think you have the same passion for the Giants as you do of the White Sox. So it'd be a similar situation, you know, being across the country rooting for a team. I don't I don't know. I mean, could you could you be tuned into every single game and you know not being able to go to games very often? I know it'd be a fun, a fun trip. But... Yeah, it would have been it would have been an early COVID preview. Um, so uh <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't I can't say how it would have ended. I, all I can tell you is that yeah, you're right. in my frame of mind at the time, I'm just like, well, I guess I'll have to fucking follow, you know, follow them in Florida and then try to go to games when they're close by. I'm trying to, then Milwaukee was still in the American league. Yeah. And so I, that was my, that was my initial plan was that I would go up to Milwaukee. When oh, okay. In town. W- so. would, no, would you have been a Brewers fan or just going to games there? Uh, just go to games there. I mean, did you hate the Brewers at the time when no, they were in the American League? It was weird. I never hated the Brewers because they're, I don't know. It, that rivalry, that was never really a true rivalry. Why? Like it, like it should have been. That, yeah, it sh- totally should have been. So, I mean, uh, it, def- it definitely is with the Cubs and Brewers. So, why wouldn't that be with the Well, I Sox think the and Cubs Brewers? and Brewers are just more competitive. And baseball, baseball is different when they get together. You got more division winners now i mean back then it was just the two yeah, it's, right it's just, it's just it's just different so i think i think that's what prevented the rivalry from really taking off you would have thought but yeah i agree like it makes no sense that your closest outside 90 of, minutes yeah outside of someone who wasn't even didn't even count when you played them back then the cubs the crosstown class yeah you know yeah it's an exhibition game to appease to to appease fans in shitty seasons basically so <laughs> so yeah so no i would have i at the you know it it'd be great to 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 you know you can't i can't really say i just can't really say like in the long run what would have happened but um yeah would have just we're just stuck with it all right well i think you answered my question honestly i appreciate that all right that was fun for me. I don't know if that was fun for you, but it was fine for me. It wasn't as <laughs> I didn't think it was. I, I didn't know what the fuck you were going to, you know, I thought you were going to create some pretend scenario or something. No, no. Or ask me to choose I think door that'd be a one bad. or door two. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm ready for your. All right. Mine is about the hat you're wearing, the Detroit Tigers. Ooh, um, all right. 
and I've got a little bit of a setup here. So uh, the uh, not that you need. This is just general history lesson. General quick history. Oh, and I have a funny. Oh, I have a thing I didn't know that I discovered during this, or that I forgotten, whatever, or didn't Shit really pay forgot. Didn't pay attention to back then. <laughs> but I'll, I'll get back to that at the end of your answer if I remember. Um, but we we're coming up. Question. We're coming up. Uh, the Illage family got the uh, Mike Illage bought the Tigers in 1992 from Tom Monahan, Monahan. Who, who after one year won a world championship with the Tigers in 1984. We're coming up through a long, long stretch. We're coming up 30, uh, 30 years of ownership by Illage. We're coming up to 38 years without a world championship. You've got the <laughs> same family owning it. You've got, you couldn't win a world championship with the great da Dombrowski uh, running the team. He won uh, everywhere else he's been uh, too. Archi architect of a 1997 Florida Marlins championship and, and a Red Sox championship. But what makes you think under sleepy Avila, as you called him earlier, that the Tigers have any chance of winning a championship within the next decade? Mm. <laughs> wow. Uh, Obviously, looking a decade into the future is difficult to do. It's difficult to see right now. How about now. within the next five years? How about that? Well, five years, I don't project that. Um, the only the only thing you could hope is that these incredibly high draft picks that they've been accumulating to uh, have five of the top 25 prospects across baseball will eventually pan out into superstars. That That's really the only chance they have right now because – Al Vila is proving that he cannot trade big assets to get great returns. As you've seen the three prospects he got for Verlander in 2017 have right. flamed out pretty much. Uh, they're not done yet. I think uh, Franklin Perez still has a chance, but he's been hurt most of his time. Um, the returns they got for Shane Green, who was at the peak of his value as a closer at the time and, and must have been 2019. Uh, I, don't, I think all those prospects flamed out. <laughs> so he's making the right moves and trading, trading players, but not picking up the prospects that they desperately need. The only way they've been able to do anything of note in the, in the farm system is drafting in the top five, which you, <laughs> I think I, you and I could do that same job, you know, draft. If you have the number one <laughs> overall pick, you better not fuck that up. So yeah. I don't have a lot of faith in Alvila. The, the ownership is a different question, though. Um, Chris Illich has taken over for, after the death of his father, Mike, um, as the patriarch of the Little Caesars empire. Um, they have money. It, that money didn't go away when Mike Illich died. Um, it's just Mike Illich was a fan. He, he literally would lose money if he had to just to win championships. And he did that with uh, with the Red Wings, you saw, as owner. And he tried to do that with the, the Tigers. And really, what the Tigers did over the previous, you know, the, the aughts and the teens, early teens, um, they were right there. They were a competitive team. They were in the mix for the World Series in most of those years for a 10-year span. And... 
they got to the World Series twice and they just didn't get it done for whatever reason. But that, that's all you can ask for out of your ownership and GM at the time is to get you get you there. We talked about that many times with with the the arrival of Theo Epstein on the north side for the Cubs that he his he just wanted to build a platform for sustained success and Dombrowski and Mike Illich did that for the Tigers. It, it didn't work out. Um, I really think they should have won in 2013, even though that's the year they didn't even get to the World Series, but that was the best team in baseball. Um, so they, they provided everything but the actual championship, which we can talk about that forever, and I have. Um, Chris Illich, on the other hand, has not shown any interest in spending a shit ton of money on either of the family-owned franchises, the Red Wings or the Tigers. So that is to be seen, whether he thinks he ever wants to spend money on them or if he's just waiting until they are in a competitive window, which neither team is. That's anybody's guess. And so to answer your question, I don't see the potential of winning a World Series from our general managers maneuvering. I do see a potential that there's a shit ton of money with the ownership that they may choose to spend at some point, but I don't know that. So I don't have a whole lot of, a whole lot of faith that it is going to happen in the short term. Um, there is, there is room to possibly believe that it could happen again. So yeah, thanks for that depressing question here in yeah, mid February with I I catchers tonight. and pitchers and catchers reporting today. I was getting all optimistic about the spring, and now you, you brought go. me down. So all right, just like the weather. Um, a little side note: when I was <laughs> doing some research, I didn't realize, or I had forgotten. I mean, I was <laughs> six years old when this this story starts in this. Uh, Dombrowski started with the White Sox minor league system in 1978, and wow. he is a casualty of the Hawk Harrelson, <laughs> the Hawk Harrelson hiring. That's tremendous. In the mid, in his 20s, he was assistant GM to Roland Heelan, like a, a decent Sox GM, and when he lost his job, Dombrowski went with him because of Hawk Harrelson. So there is, if, if you remove the Harrelson thing, you remove the Larusa getting firing originally. And you may have even had Don, you may have even had Dave Dombrowski as your GM of the White Sox in the late eighties. Wow. Wow. The the, reper- the revolving doors of history that, that how Hawk that Harrelson is, caused. How has that not been talked about more? That's great. I love that. I did not know I that could, either. I nearly like I like was drinking some water. And I nearly spit it out when I read that. I was <laughs> like, "What the fuck?" The the backlash of that Harrelson trade is like a just a dark cloud over still over the it. rate over the rate. <laughs> So, all right. I just wanted to make sure I got that little note in because I've just found it. I was fascinated by that part of, like that. of Dembrowski's history. That's a good one. Well, unless you have any other tidbits or factoids you'd like to drop in. No. I think, I think we should move into Asshole of the Week. What is your problem, you insensitive asshole? Pardon my French, but you're an asshole. <laughs> Who the fuck is this asshole? Am I wrong? You're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. Okay, then. 
Uh, I actually don't have an asshole of the week this week. Uh, I've been a little busy moving and trying to sell a condo, but I did I'll, have time. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you know. I've been, I've been, I've been, uh, I've been scouring, and there really hasn't been much. Uh, Not much on asshole-ish, the ass. front. No, outside of stupid tweets, that's about as assholeish as you get. Well, I just happened to stumble on an article. Uh, this is over a week ago, but the article is actually from 2012, um, so it's a little dated. But it's talking about baseball history. Uh, it's from Bleacher Bleacher Report. Uh, they wrote about the 25 most despised teammates in baseball history, which is not just despised players by the fans. It's by despised teammates, which makes you think these are probably really bad guys um, because people that really know know them despise them. So what was really interesting about this list of 25 players is the four teams we cover were well covered in this list, which was amazing to me. Um, The fewest... The fewest on the list were the Tigers, actually, believe it or not. But the one guy that was on the list was probably the takes the cake, and that's Ty Cobb, of course. <laughs> wow. Um, yes. So he's he's probably the champion asshole of all time. Um, but there were no other, t- other Tigers on their list. Um, second least amount of as- asshole teammates would be the Cubs, but they had some doozies on theirs. Uh, of course, Carlos Zambrano, who whose presence on the Cubs basically started this, what used to be a blog and now is a podcast. Um, his antics included uh, destroying Gatorade coolers on the bench, uh, going AWOL at one point at the end of his Cubs career in Atlanta <laughs> during a road trip. And nobody knew where he was. He just yeah. left. Uh, so yeah, Zambrano's uh, reputation for being a terrible team man is well, well earned. Um, other Cubs on the list were, you know, ancient history of Cap Anson, who was a flaming racist, uh, well-documented. Roger Hornsby, who's going to come up on the list of Giants as well, uh, because he was so not well-liked, even though he's considered maybe the sec- best second baseman of all time. He was so not well-liked, he couldn't stick with the team for very long after he was no longer with the Cardinals. He bounced around the league because nobody could stand him, so... Uh, of course, the last Cub on the list was Milton Bradley, which we spent a lot of time writing about years ago, and he was uh, the worst free agent that the Cubs have ever signed. Just a horrible person. Yeah. Uh, I think there's some domestic violence in his history. Uh, nobody likes you, Milton. Um, fuck off. So next on the list would be the Giants, actually, with five five names on the list. I wonder if you have thoughts about any of these guys. Um well, of course, Barry Bonds. Uh, that's that's an easy one. Well, Jeff Kent, yeah. of course. Oh, I got thoughts about Barry Bonds. I got okay. him right here. So, <laughs> well, just he was not popular with his teammates, which I'm not sure is. Uh, I think you it's know, hard to believe. That that's not that's not news, but yeah, that makes sense. Jeff Kent, of course. Uh, yeah, they used to fight on the bench, so maybe <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's a draw then. But go ahead. The aforementioned Rogers Hornsby. Uh, Jose Guillen and then Shea Hillebrand. I don't know if you had any acrimony against those. I don't think they were the, no. with the Giants for very long. No, they so. were. And I'm surprised AJ Prezinski wasn't on that list because he only lasted a, a year. He got shipped out of town. Yeah. And that might That's be shocking that he's not on the Giants list. I think maybe he was just there such a short time that, <laughs> yeah, that, that you, I, I think we should add him to that list then. So. Yeah, he's uh, definitely not on the White Sox list because he's loved here. Well, that's the I'm thing. A, and, and, and and he's not on 
he could have maybe appeared on a twins list but he i think did. they liked him and they in did Minnesota. but they sort of didn't like him as the players shifted over i feel like there was a little bit of a a rub towards the end but not like what happened in the giants that that was that was insane well that leaves us to your White Sox. Uh, AJ did not appear on that list either, of course. Well, of course, um, yeah. Because the teammates love him and fans love him uh, in, on the South Side, and that's about it. Um, what's weird, and this is literally, you could see, the, it's kind of fun looking back at history since this was written in 2012. Bleacher, Nate, or Bleacher Report was definitely a prisoner of the moment, as the phrase goes, because they listed Ozzy Guillen as a despised teammate no and, not as a teammate well that's the thing and you, you you're gonna love this because it's even worse why they call him despised they said he they actually said and they do a little three paragraph thing on each player why why they're saying they were despised but they mentioned that right he was here. that he was actually you know a, a good a really good player a pretty good player and you know not not that he was not well liked as a teammate they literally brought up what was happening in the news at that time. And that's literally when he was making pro Castro statements as manager of the Miami Marlins, which couldn't have been a, a less popular thing to do or a more egregious era that cost him his career um, to this point that he, I think that happened the same week they wrote this article because they were talking about how, about his comments being the main reason they said they put him on this list and that they didn't know if it was going to cost him his job or not yet. I think he lost his job within a week. So I think that was happening the same time when they wrote this. So that's, that's what gave the White Sox six yeah, that, that, uh, players. Yeah, it, so that's rather dubious, I think. Yeah. If, it, if it's about teammates and being a player, yeah. what he's done as a manager shouldn't come into play on that. But it just shows you how things that happen, it, like I said, the prisoner okay. of the moment, things that are happening in real time can affect your your view of of history. Okay. Can I take a guess? A couple guesses. Oh, yeah, that's you... a good idea. I'll, I'll can talk, I I'll... can I go with Nick Swisher? Nick Swisher did not make the list, but I think he Are could. You fucking kidding me? Okay, well, Albert think... Bell. Albert Bell. Albert Bell is on the list. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, Albert Bell. Um, although I don't see that's what's weird about it. I know he was hated by Cleveland when he got here, but I don't know that the I don't remember like a bunch of bad press of him while he was on the White Sox. Yeah, I think he's just universally known as a bad yeah. dude. So yeah, right. So uh so let's see, Albert Bell. Um I'm trying I don't go one's, ahead. One's from the seventies. Uh recently passed away. One from the seventies recently passed away. Who just freaking died? Not uh not the not uh what's his name? Uh, Wilbur Wood. No, Dick Allen. Uh, Oh, Dick Allen. All right. He, they wrote, they trashed him. Like apparently wow. he, used to, he used to get drunk before games and was just known as a clubhouse cancer, put himself wow. above the team. You didn't hear about any of that stuff when he passed away. That's, that's the other interesting thing about media coverage. When people die, you can't say anything bad about them, but wait, Ron Santa wasn't on the Cubs list. <laughs> uh, no, they, they were not, we could add them, add him to the list if you'd like, but. Well, I mean, he's notorious known as a, speaking of clubhouse cancers. I mean, 
a lot of his teammates had nothing good to say about him but i like that you were changing the subject suddenly no no uh... no 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 i just didn't know that about (laughs) dick allen but no i was just i i things are going through my head so i'm sorry to complete the White Sox list, I think an obvious one that it's 100 years ago, it's tough to think about, but Eddie Sicotti, who was pretty much the ringleader of the Black Sox yeah, scandal. Yeah, I would give him that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one's kind of kind of bullshit because he wasn't here long and he was not he was not disliked while he was here. It's Manny Ramirez, but he was definitely a, ba- a bad teammate. Manny being Manny um, is what he's famous for. More, more yeah. what he did with his exodus from Boston, where he basically yeah, right. forced his way out by being a being really selfish so um let's see the final one final one on the list here i actually have a personal story with in this uh well i don't know him but i was in, at a game where a historic moment happened but carl everett do you remember carl yeah everett? the d- dinosaurs uh, never <laughs> dinosaurs never roamed the earth yeah beyond that uh he also had a lot of homophobic comments to make uh he didn't didn't believe in dinosaurs who knows what else he did or didn't believe in but yeah uh my my personal story with that is (laughs) my personal story with that is i went to the first time i went to actually fenway park was in 2001 and it was a remarkable thing it was fun just to be at fenway park in 2001 i it's only one of the few at that point one of the few uh ballparks outside of detroit or chicago that i'd ever been to uh it was kind of a boring game but we had to get tickets because it was red sox yankees which was you know right approaching the zenith of that rivalry um wasn't quite quite as high the yankees were definitely the better team in 2001 but um an intriguing matchup with uh i forget who's pitching for the red sox but it's mike messina for the yankees i remember that because it was kind of a boring game because not much was happening. And we realized in about the middle of the sixth that Mike Messina had a no hitter going. And um, it it got to the point where it wasn't like a blowout game. I don't remember, but it was obvious that even Red Sox fans were interested in seeing a no hitter, even though it was going against their beloved Sox. So everyone was rooting for Mike Messina at the time. It got to the point in the ninth inning with two outs that one Carl Everett came up and broke up the fucking no hitter. So the first time I first and at that point, the only time I had ever been to Fenway, I ended up going there about 10 years later. I could have seen a no hitter uh, in 2001 by Mike Messina, but Carl Everett fucked it up for everybody. So. That's my Carl Everett story. He was was he on the South Side for very long? I don't. He might have been at the end of his uh, career. Or... I'll give a South Side answer. He's there a couple two tree years. Two tree, know? couple two tree. Yeah. Do you remember him having any incidents? With yeah, he's he, well. I, I, you know, he just he was he was great for the media because he always had something to say. Something um, weird to say. Yeah, I think you know he underperformed. Um, I I don't recall though. I don't recall like the like after he left, like hearing stories and it was a different time when he was on the team too. It wasn't like we have access to every little thing that happens right, now. Yeah, so different. And I just don't remember like reading about what a, what an ass hat he was like Nick Swisher was, you know, but maybe, maybe Nick doesn't make the list cause he was there one season. So maybe you and I need to do our own list of our four teams and who the biggest assholes were on each of each of our teams. Yeah. 
Maybe, maybe next off season. Now that we're getting, <laughs> we're trying to come up with content. We've got a real season to be talking about soon. So. Yeah, baseball is the gift that keeps on giving. Well, hey, if we didn't have, couldn't have one asshole of the week, why not have twenty five assholes? Yes, of the week, there you go. So. Well, that was fun. Um, so yeah, I think that's about all I have for this week. Unless you have any shit, any more shit, Pete forgot or factoids no, you want to share? I got, I got that, I got that Dembrowski right in the nice. Right that line. was a good one. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm good. All right. Well, with that, uh, I think we can call that an episode. Let's uh, go ahead and check us out on social media at Major League Gay Holes. Uh, you can find us, of course, at MajorLeagueGayHoles.com. And uh, you can find this podcast anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. So do it. Download, rate, subscribe, review. We need it. It's baseball season. Let's go, people. Yeah. So I'm going to declare this podcast is over. Peace. Peace. Yeah! Jesus fucking Christ, it's about time. S-S-H-O-L-E, everybody, hey, S-S-H-O-L-E. Media.